Hey, Abby. Hi, Levi. Well, we're on our fifth episode of the podcast, and this one's a special one because it was our very first interview. We were definitely nervous, uh, but also because we're both big fans of Neil's and we really want to make it a good one. Yeah, it was uh, really great to sit down with him. I always enjoy hearing what he has to say and getting to know him better. So welcome to The Swole Files. It's a podcast where episode by episode, we get to know a fellow colleague. We're profiling a new Swomi each and every episode. This week on The Swole Files, we're getting to know Neil Lomax, president of sales. He's worked in construction, retail, hardware, and software. He's been with Software One for 12 years, and he's always well-prepared, all thanks to an interesting mishap back in his school days. All that and more on the fifth episode of The Swole Files, Neil Lomax. So like Levi said, we sat down with Neil and he was one of the first people we interviewed. And this was all the way back in January at the North American sales kickoff in Dallas. So it seems almost like an entirely different world given where we are today. Um, But it's interesting too, because he spoke to, before all of this, the resiliency of our industry and software and the importance of security, um, which is what we're hearing to to this day through all of the, um, the pandemic chaos. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. (laughs) He made a comment that he was really looking forward to 2020, just kind of settling down into his role and and slowing down. Um, That's definitely not the case now. (laughs) If anything, (laughs) uh, we we were not anticipating this global pandemic. But but like you said, a lot of the things he talked about back in January apply so well to our times today. Yeah. Even um, you'll hear him explain how he describes softer one to his friends and family and, and people outside of SWO. Um, and what he, part of what he says is, is software transforms companies. And I think we're, we're seeing that more than ever, especially as, as companies are, or have taken their workforces remote or adapted their business models um, to address some of the challenges they're now facing. So it, it was interesting to listen back to this today, um, having gone through what everyone has gone through um, and how much of what he said still resonated or made sense. So, Yeah. And, and another thing, you know, aside from the business stuff to listen for, um, he has a couple of really good analogies about managing your own expectations and um, putting in work and, you know, hard work, things like that. So I think those are really great pieces that can apply um, now as well. Yeah. And I, I like how he, he speaks to how much time we spend at work and how, um, it is such an, a big portion of, of people's life and his perspective on that. So um, I think I think we should just let most of the interview play. We might break it up for uh, rapid fire before we go into that. But what do you say, Levi? Should we send it off to Neil? Sounds like a plan. Let's roll. There's some really long stories and we don't have a lot of no. time. All right. So my first uh, my first real job was my hard, the hardest work I've ever done in my life, which was I was uh, a labourer on building sites. Ah. So mixing concrete, plastering walls, all that sort of stuff. And I got paid uh, £1.50 an hour, which is about $2 an hour. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I did that when I was 15, 16, just to like earn some money. Um, so that was my first, like I'd say, foray into work. Um, how I 
came to Software One is a super long story that we don't have time for. Um, uh, I can tell somebody over a beer or a gin sometime, but I suppose just starting from where I started at Software One, um, I've been here like uh, 12 years now um, and was originally hired to set up the, the UK office with five of my best friends. Um, and then after that, we started expanding because the UK was the seventh country out of the 90 that we're in. Um, so I started working on different countries to help like um, move that forward. And then at one point we were opening 20 countries a year. So I moved into a different role to help really expand the business. So I did that for about four years until my wife went crazy. <laughs> um, and then as most people know uh, from the US, I then spent five years in the US to develop the business over here. And now I'm back in Europe. So what's your current role? Or what would you call it? Or how? <laughs> I guess the question is, you know, how do you describe it to people who don't work here? Because yeah. I think we can understand the soft one terminology, but so how would you? I explain it in two ways to people that don't work here. First of all, what the hell is software one? And what do we do? Um, actually, I find that even though we think it's more complex than ever before, maybe internally, I find it easier to explain externally nowadays. And that's basically I just say to somebody, hey, look, you know, every company spends a ton of money on software. Our job is to make sure they spend the right money and they get real value out of it. And, um, and if we do a good job, the companies that we work with will transform because software transforms companies nowadays. And actually, pe most people get that now because you could ask them and they'll list a, a dozens of companies that they know that transformed industries because of software. And they'll also give you dozens of stories of bad personal experiences of companies they've worked at or companies they've had experiences with from a customer perspective where software hasn't worked. So they just sort of get it nowadays that software really drives every business and that, that if, if when they make mistakes that screws up companies and when they make good uh, choices it really expands the businesses that they're involved with. So I think most people get that from uh, an external point of view. Um, from my role perspective, I, I just try and explain that we're in 90 countries, um, we try and um, stay ahead of the curve as far as the technology curve because we work in technology. Uh, my job is to make sure that we continue to transform and that we find a positive working experience for everybody so they can have a, a good impact on the company but also a positive impact on their own lives as well. And I think that's really, I think that's really profound now because we sometimes forget in some of the countries that we operate in that, yeah, we have a job and Software One's a great place to work, hopefully, that people feel like. But actually, we're in a lot of countries as well now where actually people don't get a lot of opportunity. Um, and so actually, it's, it's very rare for companies that are based in the Western hemispheres to want to invest and grow globally in some of the countries that we're in. Because some of the countries that we're in are really hard and actually they don't have as much upside as, you know, it's easy just to be in the US, it's a big market, it's massive here and everything grows and the economy's strong and the job market's strong. But some there's just some terrible places out there from an external point of view, but we love them all. And we find that investing in all these different countries creates a lot of opportunity for a lot of people. And when you travel, you see the actual personal impact that has on people's lives. And I think that's also quite empowering as well. So why do you think, this is just me being curious, it's not on our list, <laughs> why do we, why, so these countries that a lot of companies potentially avoid, why, how did Software One get into them or why do we go after these countries, do you think? First of all, it's one of the values, right, customer focus. So, you know, we say, 
we want to be where our customers are and we don't mm -hmm. want to just pretend that we're there mm -hmm. and some of our competitors pretend that they're there and they're not really there so we really want to say that we're there to help our customers so that drove us into some of these markets we know some of the markets that we're in will never you know be as big as the us but it doesn't matter it's our customers are there we can do a good job for them and it adds to the story of software one um, and I think it also makes us a culturally very interesting place to work. Mm -hmm. And I, I always see that on the feedback as well, that people really want to work for a global company. Of course, everybody talks about diversity, and I think some things, sometimes we do a good job there, sometimes we do a bad job there. But I think one of the things that we can say we're better than almost every company out there from a diversity of culture, we are number one, right? We have got every single type of person working for us across different uh, countries, and I think that's so cool. And there's leaders from all those countries that contribute to the decisions of Software One, which I also think is very empowering as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite part of your job right now? Ah, uh, um, I'd say the the probably the the last eighteen months have been the hardest part of my job. I think a lot of distractions for different reasons over the last eighteen months. Um, so I wouldn't say that um, it's been. Um, I wouldn't say it's been my most exciting time. I think it's had some big milestones over the last 18 months, but not my most exciting time. And the most exciting time for me is really simple. Spending time with the teams, the people, and customers. That's all I ever want to do in my life. Um, and everything else is a distraction to that, but also, you know, it's discipline. You have to stay on top of everything else as well. But that's what I'm actually now... Uh, as we go into the 2020, I'm super excited about that. Things are calmed down and um, I get to focus on those areas. Um, what do you see as the future of Software One or even tech in general? An another huge question. <laughs> but obviously we're going to be talking about Vision 2022, but like even beyond that, like where like 10 years from now, 20 years, can you even predict or what do you think? I mean, I mean no, but you know, going back to one of the, the long story that I can't tell you right now, but one of the industries that I actually worked in for a while was retail, which, was like, which I thought was very valuable for me because I got to have to deal with lots of different types of people. I think I got a lot of skills from that, but like, I'm just so thankful that I don't work in retail anymore. You know, um, I think it gave me a lot of skills, but there's, um, you know, there's better companies to work at, better industries at better points in time. At that point in time in the '90s, for me, it was a, a very good place to work. But I, I think right now that to work in that environment would be with super tough. Mm -hmm. um, I still got colleagues and friends that are in that environment. So I just think, first of all, from a from a software one perspective, uh, you know, I'm just thankful I'm working for a company that's in the tech industry and that's not slowing down every year uh, and there's no and there's no sign that it will um it's also when i went when i also went again going back to the long story i used to work in hardware a long time ago and one of the reasons i flipped to software was i got so fed up speaking to customers where the transit lorry had gone got lost and delivered that something that morning and the customer needed that server or in the morning, otherwise the business would go down, blah, blah, blah. They got some memory and it wasn't compatible with the X, Y, or Z. And you were just like, oh. Everything, there was always problems with hardware. And I started selling software and I realized, hold on a minute, software, first of all, I don't have to deliver it, like, physically. And that means I don't have to worry about transit drivers and stock and inventory and all those other things I was worried about. And then on top of that, I realized that even during downturns, customer, my customers were investing in software. Because there's some things that are just a non-negotiable security. Doesn't matter how bad your business is, you're not going to decline renewing your security software or investing in more security. It's just 
so it's part of your hygiene now. So I thought that it's very resilient. So I think that's what's really also good about um, Software One. It's first of all, tech industry anyway, growing industry. Software is very resilient to uh, different economic cycles. And I think that's what you've also seen during the last sort of 20 years of Software One. Every year it's, the company's grown. Didn't matter when it was a financial crisis, didn't matter whether it's geopolitical issues. Every year it's always grown. And I think that shows the resilience of the industry and the company that we work in as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Patrick used to talk about a work-life harmony rather than balance. And talk a little bit about the life part for you. So we know about the work part, but talk about the, the life harmony. Um, well, there's a couple of things there, right? So first of all, um, I always try to explain to people there's no such thing as balance. And this is what I used to say, and I never really got it until unfortunately it passed, um, but you know, balance means that everything has to be equal all the time, which is impossible. Right now, I'm just literally telling you what's happening right now, my son's just gone into hospital, he's gonna be fine, but he's had an asthma attack, right? Mm. And if it means now my wife calls me and tells me I've gotta go home, I'm getting on the next plane and I'm flying home and I'll miss the NSK here and people will be upset and I'll be upset. But, you know, it's not about saying, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. When something becomes a priority, you have to drop everything. And whether that's the work side or the, or, or the home side, that's the way it is. And to try and do everything 50-50, you actually don't do a good job across the board. So this is why balance is so difficult, because you're always trying to, you, you, you're looking for that equilibrium. And that's not, I don't think that's something you should ever go after. You either have to be all in on one side or all in on the other side. And you can do... One one day and one the other and the next day. And I think that's the, the right way to approach it. On the life side though, when you say, oh, when people say, oh, what's, what, what do you think about life? The other thing I think about, well, for me also, you've got to also accept that work is life. Because if you just say life is everything but work, there's such a disappointment, there's such a, there's such a shame that you have to approach things like that. Really, you, you, know, you spend most of your time at work you colleagues, hopefully your friends at work, and therefore work is life. Um, but for sure, outside of work, you should still have other hobbies and interests. And for me, you know, that's definitely my three kids, my wife, my family. Um, yeah, that's basically takes up almost all my time. I, I try, I'm trying to learn to play tennis. I've been trying for years now, but I just don't play often enough, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but other than that, I try and do a bit of running to manage my fitness um, but that's that's pretty much it can I ask a question about a hobby for some reason I thought I'd heard that you were really into like smart houses and that sort of thing is that true or did I, uh, that come I from did. nowhere when I was living in Seattle everything was automated and then every time I'd leave the house and fly away Faye my wife would call me up and say that's it the f nothing works <laughs> so that's one of those things where the lights would go off and then she'd be locked in the house or out the house but yeah, for sure, I loved playing with all that sort of stuff when I was uh, setting that up. Now we've got uh, a new place, I'm going to have to try again, <laughs> see if I can get it right this time. But yeah, home automation's a bit of, bit of fun. Nice. Do we go to rapid fire, or do we want to... Let's do a little bit of rapid fire, yeah. Okay. okay, these are just quick questions, no long answers that required, just like boom, boom. Mm -hmm. um, if we had to pick a theme song and we could get the rights to it to introduce you in this episode, what song would you choose and why? Uh, really... Simple that one. That would be the Knights by Avicii. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Is there a reason behind that? Uh, the lyrics are super cool. They I live my life by those lyrics. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What's and he's the... my favorite house DJ. And, yeah. Oh, 
What's the hardest you've ever laughed? Or one of the hardest. <laughs> or recently, yeah. maybe. Uh, well, I had my 40th birthday last year, so I had 13 friends with me for four days, and we laughed every day very hard. Yeah. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in the north of England in a town called Huddersfield where there's uh, nothing exciting going on, and so I had to, had to leave there as quick as I could. <laughs> what did you want to be when you were a little kid? <laughs> I have no clue, actually. I, I didn't have a, a tremendous amount of guidance, uh, but I definitely knew I wanted to leave Huddersfield, and I did that, so that's good. <laughs> um, this kind of leads into the next question. Uh, take us back to your teens. What was teenage Neil Lomax like? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, what do you want to know? Um, I was a geek, but um, uh, uh, probably a fun, funny story is uh, my first presentation I did in front of my class, I cried my eyes out in front of everybody, which is super embarrassing. And the lesson that I learned there was I was not prepared, so now I'm always well prepared when I'm doing things like that. Otherwise, the nerves get the better of me, which surprises people, but it's true. Do you have a favorite Patrick story that comes to mind? Uh, too many to mention, and most of them that I can't anyway. So, um, but maybe the one that, one that I like a lot is one that I was telling one of my friends that didn't know him last night, and that was, um, I, I live by this as well, is that life is about managing your expectations. And he always used to tell the story of the door, and I always tell that to people, and it's pretty simple. Uh, how it works. If you're going up to a door and you think it's locked, and it is locked, you're like, yeah, okay, it's locked. And then you find a way to open it. If you go up to the door and it's, you think it's locked and it's open, you're super happy. Because it's already open and you just walk straight through. But at the same time, if you go to that door and you think it's open and it's locked, you're so disappointed. Because, oh, it's locked, how am I gonna open it? And yet if it's open, and you open through it, walk through it, you're just very, very normal. And yet the conditions are all the same. It's just a door, whether it's open or locked, and how you're going to get through it. And it's just your mindset on how you manage your expectations. And that's what I always say to people. And I remind my family a lot about that all the time as well, is that, you know, why, when you ask yourself why you're upset or why you're disappointed, is it really that something is really bad? Or is it just something that didn't meet your expectation and therefore you had the wrong one? And therefore, if you can always manage that and lower that, I always think that that makes you a happier person in life in general. And also balances your emotions, which makes you easier to be around as well. That's a good one. Yeah. I haven't heard that one yet. I feel like I have follow-up questions, but no more rapid-fire questions. Yeah, well, I was going to ask a, a <laughs> bit time. of a silly question. You know, I've heard that story about you, about the home automation, and we've heard stories about you. Have you ever heard a story about either one of us, Abby or I? Um, well, for sure, I know, you know, um, what do I know about you guys? Well, I know for, for sure that you went to Australia. Yeah. You had a lot of fun there. And then you were kicking the tires on figuring out where to come back. And I was talking to some of my friends about you as well. So I'd say that that's, that's what, I, what I, I know about you. But maybe not as much. Maybe, maybe you got up to things in Australia that I'm not aware of. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I know about Abby and her passion for coffee and a little soiree into that. A little coffee break. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also, you know. When did you come back? Was it last year? Or yeah, when? January, like, 6th, I think. So I was just thinking yeah, to myself. Yeah, it's like who, roughly who, who a year. came back to us last year, and I was thinking what I was, I was really thinking about on the plane. So I was like... You know, Abby came back, and then Shane came back. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> uh, I love Thank it. you for getting uh, him back. <laughs> and then also Dave Turner yeah. just came back. Did and, he really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. So I just 
proved his head count like three days ago. Oh, so, cool. I didn't know that. He's going to be so, here. Really? So, oh. Yeah, so uh, there's some pretty cool people that came back to the business last year, which I'm super happy I'll always about. be known as a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you both are, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. You just wanted to know That's this. Okay, you mentioned, and you've, t- you've said this before, about having to prepare. And I always think of you as someone who just, like, is just, like, zoom, 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 on to, like, always, like, all over. Like, you'll be doing a meeting here and a meeting there, and you'll come talk to the Waukesha team, and you're on a plane and elsewhere. And so to hear that you have time to prepare, that you have to prepare for things, is like, it blew my mind the first time I heard it. Do you feel like now that you've, like, gone through a lot of this, a lot of it's just like, oh, I know, I can just do that? Or, like, how do you often do you feel you have to, like, truly, truly prepare for things? Oh, I mean, that's a difficult one, but... I, I think, you know, people ask me what's the secret to like success and things like that, and I would say nothing, nothing replaces hard work. Yeah. Like uh, you, you can have as much talent as you want, but if you don't work hard, then uh, it, it doesn't work out. And yet everyone says, oh, you know, it's got to be fun. Things got to be fun. Why isn't things fun? And yet, I mean, you're hard work. Hard work's not fun. Well, no, hard work isn't fun. Hard work is about discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do hard work and you are disciplined on it, you do get results. And then when you do get results, that is fun. And then the hard work becomes the fun part. And a good example of this is like, last two weeks I've been stressing massively about the NSK presentations. Still working on them right now. <laughs> uh, I ran down from my room to talk to you and still working on them. And it's, it's, it's not easy because you've got loads of departments want to try and get the message across. You're trying to filter everything out. You don't like some of the slides, you create new ones. Then you don't like that and you just like plan about it. You think, well, I've got to do this and this is not really nice work, but you've got to go through it. Then you, of course, you're, you're also trying to read and absorb everything. So you're looking at customer case studies, you're looking at videos, you're read, listening to your podcast and then trying to absorb everything in and then trying to make sure that it's the right message. And to be honest, that's just really, really hard work. Um, but then tomorrow when I present, I'll be prepared. And actually, normally if I'm prepared, actually I have fun. I actually have fun talking to people and communicating with them. So actually that's the fun part that comes afterwards. And hopefully people like the feedback, there's some impact there. So then hopefully there's some results from it. So it's, it's, it's not one or the other, it's sort of, the, it, is, it, is, it is what it is. And sometimes you, I just have to do a lot like that. And that's been going on like for weeks now. I just have to keep going back to it. And then even for this podcast, Levi just sent me an email saying they might ask you some questions. And for that, I, of course, I don't have to fill in the answers, but I scan, so I'm just aware and I'm prepared for what you're, what you're gonna ask me. Yeah. I don't have any answers canned, but I suppose at least I've got my mind in the right order, and I think that's what's important as well, just that you know where you are and what, you, what you're trying to focus on yeah. at that point in time. Yeah. Cool. Um, I feel other? pretty good unless you have uh, one more follow-up question. But. I was just going to have you speak to it because I've heard you talk about this and I was like, I just thought it was a really interesting part of your time at Software One. It's this, like when you were starting up in the UK, like you and your friends were like running out of an apartment or something, right? Mm. Can you speak to that time? Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's funny because people ask me as well, you know, what's the most fun time you've had at Software One or what's like, you know, was the was what, what do you look back on and up until recently i'd have said that time because it, it was crazy we, we yeah we, we started in my friend's uh dining room and uh, we used to make calls to customers in the diff- in the bathrooms because so we we couldn't uh, uh they couldn't hear us talk 
uh, over at the phone. Um, we bought the printer from eBay, I think. Um, it was just, we had no money. We just did this crazy startup. Um, and we was um, fortunately incredibly successful during the global financial crisis. We started the day, I think, or the week that we started the business, which was nuts. Um, so it was, I think I had a lot of fun. And we, we, we were super stressful, but had a lot of fun. But now if you ask me what was the most I'd say that was probably one of still one of the most fun times out of Software One, but one of the most probably impactful on my own overall career at Software One was probably my time in the US. Um, that actually broke me many times over. Um, um, but in the end, uh, the team that we built, uh, the team that we have here, I'm super proud of that, and I'll always look back at that as. Um, uh, one of the best times of my career was working in the US and managing to grow the team and develop the people and also transform the business to from where it was. So that's now like, I just say it's my number one highlight. So we mentioned at the beginning how we, we're, we're big fans of Neil's and we really want to make this podcast special. I, I can tell you, I've got three pages of notes in front of me. I've got highlighted, things crossed out, circled. I just, I really want to make this a good one. And I know Neil is a well-prepared person that I'm trying to do the same. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I can help. I'll, so I thought it was interesting when he was talking about being prepared. Um, even when we sat down to interview with him, he had just come from, uh, I think, his hotel room where he was putting together the presentation for the next day and how I was like on his mind. And I just remember my first interaction ever or experience ever of Neil was at my first NSK in 2013, we were in Puerto Rico and um, this guy gets up on stage and he starts off by saying how he had to like, he had gotten in and he went to the beach, but he had to leave early because there was a new Microsoft product terms that was released and he <laughs> had to go freshen up on what had changed. And yeah. uh, it kind of, it kind of spoke to what he was saying about, um, how you have to put a lot of hard work in, but results are fun. And, you know, later that NSK, he stood up on stage and he blew our minds because he demonstrated Azure to the, to the sales team. And this was, again, so long ago. Azure was like brand spanking new. And he gets up and he's just like, click, click, click. There's a server now. Look how quick that was. And I remember just being like, whoa. And so, you know, it worked. He put, put a little time in to prepare and, and blew everyone's mind. So... Um, it was interesting to hear him speak to that and then also tie it back to my first interaction with him. That's a great story. And I mean, you know, we would have had no idea that he had this traumatic incident as a kid where he was crying. And ever since then, he's put in so much research because to to the um, to the viewer, to the listener, it, it seems like it's so easy for him. But like he said, it takes hard work. It takes discipline. And, it, you know, all those things, when he is prepared, then he does have fun. So that, that was great to hear. Yeah, and you and I, um, I think you might have this in your notes because we talked about it a little bit. It was interesting how um, how often the core values came up yes. or we noticed examples of the core values in him. Um, and I think the discipline for sure is there. Um, and then he also spoke about, you know, how the people mm -hmm. uh, and customers, he's like, that's the rest of it's just busy work. I would I would love to just to be in front of, our people and our customers all day long. So I, I really enjoyed that and that resonated quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, a huge thing with him is humility too. I mean, I guess the people wouldn't know this, but he like wouldn't 
tell us what his role was just because he's such a humble guy he he didn't want to say that he was like the global president of sales and you know he even talked about tennis and some other things and he really played it off like oh i'm just an amateur well we ran into john mays in the hall afterwards and he's like oh neil's a great tennis player so he's just such a humble guy that he just i mean even just talking to us like that really came out yeah certainly um yeah so i think it, it was interesting to to hear how yeah, they're the core values of the company, but they I think they run really deep for him as a person too and and they're they're good ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one other piece on that aspect of the employee satisfaction and putting the people first, he really talked about um having a positive impact on people and seeing the impact Soft One has had in other countries, like oh, the yeah, non-western so ones. Yeah. yeah, and that that's something I hadn't thought about much, but he really talked about the diversity from these other countries and how it's an opportunity that they wouldn't have without software one. And that's kind of fascinating to think about, you know, I always think about the U S and these big markets, you know, Germany, Switzerland, but uh, often forget about those little countries that software one has too. Yeah. I mean, we say it all the time, right? Oh, we're in 90 plus countries. Yeah, we're a global yeah. organization, but um, it, you know, in my head, it was oftentimes just a, a nice little statistic, but to hear, you know, he experiences it and he goes to to a lot of those. Um, it, it's an interesting perspective that I, I wasn't thinking of either. Yeah. Uh, a couple other points I've, I've got here. The the Avicii song he mentioned I, I mm -hmm. yesterday or a couple of days ago, I was listening to that on loop as motivation. Um, the lyrics in that are great. So if you haven't haven't listened to that, go go check that out. And then, of course, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that door analogy. Yes, and I, I think I told you this. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we've been sitting on this recording for a while, uh, and I was, you know, in a, a bit of a funk, and I went back, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, you know, what was that analogy that Neil, so I like went back to the recording like a month ago and just re-listened to it, and it just, I'm like, okay, you know, level set, what are your expectations? Yeah, how it's do you, a great, how do you approach this? Yeah, it's a great one. I think you you might have even said that you you told it to someone else or you used it, um, you know, in another context, which I think is great too. Like just oh yeah, passing it on to to people even outside of the soft one community. We might have to do a special um, episode where we just cut out the door snippet and make it available because it's a nice little <laughs> reminder. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, definitely. Um, that that was a lot of interesting things. I mean, this was like we said again. Can't say it enough. This was a special one for us. Um, I'll admit, I was nervous during the interview. <laughs> I was very nervous. I don't know if that came through <laughs> in my voice, but uh, well, it was you the know. first one, you know. Yeah. And like we, we both had just landed in Dallas, and we were like trying to make sure we got to the <laughs> the interview in time. And uh, it was, you know, we we hadn't gotten our rhythm yet with our questions and how we wanted to ask them. So right, and and like I, I guess it's uh, it might sound weird, weird, but for both of us, from the time we started with the company, Neil has always been um, a very public fixture. And you know, not yeah. to say that he's so high up because obviously he's very um willing to to talk to us and it's not like oh, that oh i'm very approachable yeah yeah but it's just that he is someone that's been important to the vision we've seen at software one over the mm -hmm. years and to the strategy and so we really felt like we had to be on our a game um, <laughs> and so you know that's also why we saved this for like five episodes in so that we could get some um, experience under our belts. And I, 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 I do think though that honestly, you know, we've tried to do it justice as best we can and, and really show yeah. um, the, the true side of, of Neil from what we saw. Yeah. And um, 
up next for us was also kind of a, a big, a big interview for us. We, uh, we got to sit down with with our very own CEO. So yes. Peter is our next episode. Yes. And, you know, shockingly, I was less nervous for this one. I don't know why, but I think partially Dieter put us at ease with his humor. <laughs> he was he, like, so funny. Yeah. So I was, funny. That was like, that threw me for a loop. And that I yeah. was just, yeah, I was listening back to it. And I'm pretty sure most of it is just us like giggling at like, something <laughs> that he said. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll right. From get the creative start. editing on that. <laughs> he was he was cracking jokes right away and very sarcastic and funny. So, um, well, I think that's all for today's episode of The Soul Files. Join us yeah, next time for the interview with our CEO, Dieter Schlosser. Uh, quick shout out again to Brandon for the help on the audio. And don't forget to give us feedback on the podcast. This may be the week we finally post to Spotify. So I can I hope that some of you are actually listening to this on Spotify. Yeah, that, that one's on me. I uh, It's on my list this weekend to get that done. <laughs> <laughs>